this sikha, in addition to being a sikha on the parasha, is also going to be a siyam on the sukkah. So in this week's parasha, it says, you should do that which is just and good and right in the eyes of Hashem. From which the Chachamim teach us a din called Bar Metzra. And the way Bar Metzra works is, Bar Metzra literally means the one living at the border, the one who has his field at the border. So the halacha is, a person sells his field, and now this person who bought the field was no one that had a field nearby the original field. Now someone that was a neighbor to the field, someone that had his field right near adjacent to the original field, comes along and says, I would have liked my fields to be together. I should have been have the right to be able to buy this field. The halacha says that the buyer needs to allow this other person now to buy, to go ahead and get the field. Obviously, the person pays for it. Now, within the understanding of this bar metzorah, there's two ways of explaining it. One way is that the person who bought the field is being told, you should do the right thing, the just thing, and allow this neighbor to buy it. Which would mean to say, yes, the buyer bought it completely, fully and, and justfully, he bought it, but now he should act in the right way and give it, allow the neighbor to get it. Another way of understanding it is, that really the neighbor, to a certain extent, because he was a neighbor, it's almost like he owned already some of that land to start with, because he was a neighbor. And therefore, it's not only a matter of acting in a nice way, but in the field almost like belongs to him already, and that's why it's the right thing to give it to him to allow him to buy it. In other words, are we saying it's just a nice thing or a good thing in a way of behavior from the buyer to this neighbor, or are we saying that no, the buyer didn't even buy it properly completely all the way because it belonged somewhat to this neighbor already. The Rebbe goes ahead and brings various different proofs that this would be a machloikas between Rashi and the Rambam. That according to Rashi, the neighbor doesn't own it in any way whatsoever. We're just telling the buyer it's a good way how you should act and give it to him. However, the Rambam would hold that the neighbor almost like owns it to a certain extent already. In other words, there's really a discussion over here, really, of how neighbors work. Are we saying that because you're a neighbor to a field, there's already somewhat of a connection of you to the neighboring land around you? In our case, we would say the neighbor almost owns some of the land already. Or are we saying, no, there's just a technical thing over here, we happen to be neighbors. And this will only cause that, yes, there's a certain way of behaving towards the neighbor, but as far as the buyer is concerned, but not that there is actually any real deep connection between the neighbor and the land that he is happens to be next to. And the Rebbe is going to show this same sort of machloikas in other areas of Torah, as the Rebbe puts it, Oilam shona and nefesh, there's space, there's time, and there's people, relations between people. So space, we just discussed, this is the land. What about in time? The Rebbe looks at the din of Toysvah Shabbos. We know that the time just before and after Shabbos, we have a mitzvah of Moisif and Mechoyla to add some of Shabbos to the time just before it and after it. And here again the question becomes, how much is that time really connected to Shabbos? Is it just that the person is being told, you should act in a way that it's Shabbos right now, that means you shouldn't do work? Or are we saying, no, the time before Shabbos is now really inherently a holy time. And the practical nafkemina would be, could I make Kiddush? Or Itzudah Shabbos, be Yoytzudah Achilah of Shabbos during that time. 
if we're saying it's just a matter of how the person behaves, the person should act in a way that it's Shabbos, that would just mean that he shouldn't be doing Malacha, but he can't make Kiddush during that time. If we're saying now the place actually got the time, became part of the Kedusha of Shabbos, that's a different story. Now I can even make Kiddush during that time. The Rebbe now moves on to another area in Nefesh, in relations between people, and this is going to be the theme of Mesech Tesukah that we mentioned before. Over there the Gemara is discussing the different Mishmores, the different groups of Koyanim that would work in the Beis HaMikdash and take turns. And one of the things the Gemara says over there is that there was a Mishmor called Bilga, and this Mishmor, the Gemara says, Tabato Kvua Vachaloino Stumo which would mean that this Mishmar had a certain penalty, a certain punishment that it got, that its ring, which we'll soon discuss what that means, was always set in place, was always locked in place, it wasn't able to use its ring, and it wasn't able to use Chaloino, its window, its cubby, its locker, its shelf that other groups of Koyanim had, was also always closed and it wasn't able to use it, it would have to use from other Koyanim. What was the story with this Mishmar, why it was punished? And what does it mean about its ring and its window, or its locker? So the Gemara tells a story about a certain girl from this family, Miriam Basbilga, that had went and converted, married a non-Jew, disgraced the Mizbeach, and as a result of this, the whole Mishmar was punished. The Gemara discusses why is the whole Mishmar punished because of one family, or one girl in the family. First, the Gemara attempts to say that it's because if the parents that raised this girl but then what, why is the rest of the Mishmar punished? And the Gemara says, Oyle Rasha, woe to the Rasha, woe to its neighbor. In other words, yes, the Mishmar suffers because of this one family or this one girl. Then the Gemara finishes with saying the same thing as Toivl Tzadik, Toivl good for the Tzadik, good for his neighbor. And the Gemara finishes off with the following Pasik, Imru Tzadik Ki Toiv, say about the Tzadik or to the Tzadik that what he does is good. They will eat the fruit of their work, of their labor. We'll soon see how that explains Toiv L'Tzadik, Toiv Now Rashi, when he is explaining this Gemara, Rashi doesn't bring the Pasuk. Rashi says the reason why Toiv L'Tzadik, Toiv is because we know there's a concept of Meruba Mida Toiv. If something is true on the bad side, how much more so on the good side? Now, to understand all of this and how this relates to what we were speaking about. There's a, Rashi and the Rambam explain differently what it means that it, what it means that its ring was locked in place and that its chaloin, its window, its cubby was closed. So this is what Rashi says. The ring refers to the rings that were in the base Amigdosh where the animal hat was, the neck of the animal would be put through so that we could shecht it without the animal moving. Each Mishmar had its own ring and this Mishmar's was locked, was closed. Chaloin refers to a special locker or a window that it had to put the knives for Shechita. According to the Rambam, the ring is referring to a ring that was used for skinning the animals, which was in the Azara, and the Chaloin was the place where the big day kahuna were put. So the Rebbe says we see a very interesting difference over here between Rashi and the Rambam. The Rashi, according to Rashi, both things, the ring and the locker, are both used for things related to Shechita. According to the Rambam, Neither of them is related to the Shechita itself. One is after the Shechita, the skinning of the animal. The other one is Big Day Kohuna. The Rebbe says there's a very interesting difference over here. Shechita is something that even women could actually do. Both things that Rashi says are related to Shechita, which is something that technically even Miriam Basbilga, this girl itself, technically could have done. 
On the other hand, the Rambam is speaking about things that the rings where the, where the skinning would have had to happen, a woman wouldn't be able to go there to skin the animal. And so too, Big Dekona is definitely not shaykh to women. In other words, according to Rambam, according to Rashi, what, who's being punished? Miriam is being punished. It's a, a kind of thing that she could have technically done. She is being punished. As a result of her, the whole Mishmar is being punished. So how are they being punished? It's almost like a byproduct of her being punished. It's not that there's anything wrong with the Mishmar per se themselves. Rather, because they happen to be neighbors, so to speak, of this girl. So they're also being punished with something that really was a punishment for her. On the other hand, according to the Rambam, the Rambam is saying they're being punished with things that really have nothing to do with her herself. These are things she wouldn't have even been able to be done. That means that, what does it mean, Euler Rosh, Euler then, that because they were neighbors with her, they themselves, in a certain sense, become bad. And therefore they're being punished even with things that technically have nothing to do with her. This is similar to what we spoke about the neighbors before. Is it that the neighbor really has a deep connection with the other neighbor? Or is it just some sort of side thing, a technical thing, that because we're neighbors, I'm ending up suffering the consequence of my neighbor? So here we see the same idea. According to Rambam, there was a deeper connection, just like we said before, in the Din of Bar Metzler, there's a deeper connection. And the Switzerland of the Rambam also teaches us in Hilches Deus that people impact each other. We are impacted by our friends and neighbors and so on and so forth. On the other hand, according to Rashi, the connection was more of an external connection. Like by Bar Metzra, it's just a way that the neighbor, that the person has to act, the buyer has to act towards the neighbor, but it's not that the neighbor really owned any of the property before. In a similar way, we're saying over here that it's just a technical thing because we're neighbors to this Russia, they end up suffering as well. Says the Rebbe, now we could also understand the Posig that's brought in the Gemara and Rashi does not bring the Posig. What does the Posig say? Imrut Tzadikitoy, we start off in the singular, we're speaking about a Tzadik. The Tzadik is good, his actions are good. Then it finishes off in the plural. They're going to eat the fruits of the labor. Who's the they? So the idea is, the way we're understanding it right now, the point is that yes, when you're next to a Tzadik, it's not only that Tzadik is going to be good, everything around them, all the people around them are going to be benefiting from the fruit of their own labor, meaning they themselves became good now, and they're now going to get the re- rewards of their labor. That means that the Shochin, the Tzadik in this case, really had a deep impact on those around them. Now Rashi can't bring that Pasuk, because according to Rashi, we said it's a much more external type of impact. It's just that if... The Russia acts in a bad way, you end up being punished if you're next to the Russia. If the Tzaddik acts in a good way, you end up being rewarded by the Tzaddik's reward. So all Rashi says is that Meruba Midatoiv, it's not because of that Pasuk, rather if a person suffers punishment because of your neighbor, so surely it works by that, by the Tzaddik also. In fact, the Rashi says Meruba Midatoiv, by a Midatoiv, it's much better. Because we know at the end of the day, punishment by a yid and bechlal bad by a yid is really only an external thing because a yid is be'etzim toiv. So therefore, in negative things, it's always going to be in a more external way. Whereas in positive things, of course, it will be meruba midatoiva and in a much greater and higher way. The Rebbe now goes ahead and says that this idea of oiler rosh of oiler shchenoi is also very much connected to the idea of tshuva. Because we know the idea of oi, when does a person scream oi? It's obviously when a person is pained, and this is the concept of tshuva, a person is pained about all of the wrong things that he did. So the Rebbe says, Euler Rosh of Euler Shcheni would more be the idea of the avoid of tshuva. 
toiv l'tzadik toiv l'shchenoi would more be the avoida of asay toiv of doing good more in the positive sense. Interesting, the Rebbe actually connected back to the two things of Bar Metzra and Tois with Shabbos and Yom Tov. Bar Metzra is more dealing with, we're telling a person not to cause harm to the neighbor, etc., etc. It's more like a Sur Meira mode, whereas Tois with Shabbos and Yom Tov is more an idea of adding in Kedusha, in, in, in bringing more Kedusha to the time around Shabbos and Yom Tov. Says the Rebbe, based on this idea, that this Euler Rosh Euler Shechini has to do with Tshuva, the Rebbe explains a very interesting Megala Amukais that says that Elul is a Rosh Hatevis Euler Rosh Hatevis Now what's the connection to Elul? Elul is a time of Rachamim, not a time of Euler Rosh Hatevis So the Rebbe explains, Euler Rosh we just explained means the idea of the Rosh saying Oy in the sense of the Avoid of Tshuva, getting out of the bad habits. So that's what happens in Chodesh Elul. Oil shchenoi means that this also impacts getting rid of the ra and the negativity also in chaydish of. Who's the shocking, the neighbor to chaydish elul. And the Rebbe says this is based on a zoyar that speaks about the idea that the months of the year we have, and the zoyar says that Nisan, Iyar, and Sivan are months that belong to Yaakov Avinu. Then the zoyar says seemingly Esav should also have three months, just like Yaakov has three months. And we say Tammuz of and we'll discuss Elul in a moment, are months that might be Shaykh more to Esav. But practically, the Zoya says, Esav does not get the month of Elul. He only gets Tammuz and Av. Furthermore, even in Av, he only gets till Tishabav, not more than that. Says the Rebbe, this is very similar to what we just spoke about. Oil Rosha would be the idea, getting rid of Esav, he doesn't get Chodesh Elul, breaking the bad of Chodesh Elul. Oil means that even in Chodesh Av, we get rid of Esav, at least for most of Chodesh Av, that after Tisha he has also no Shaykhas to, has no connection to him at all. Now obviously the purpose of breaking the Ra in Chodesh Elul, and surely in Chodesh Av, and even in the nine days, is of course to transform it all and to add in the Asei Toiv, and from there we of course come from transforming Chodesh Av, we come to Chodesh Elul, the Chodesh HaRachamim, and from there also to the Ksiv of Toiva, to each and every Yid on Rosh Hashanah.